Hey y'all, welcome to Eat Drink Social, a podcast about social media influencers and the food and beverage industry. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and members of the IPG team. IPG stands for Influencer PR Group and is the division of Go Social. We have offices in Louisville, Kentucky and Denver, Colorado. If you have questions, you can find us at www.ipgagency.com or on social at IPG Agency. Happy to be joined now by Estelle Tracy. She is in the Philadelphia area. Uh, she is known on Instagram and uh, her blog as at 37 Chocolates. Um, she is a food writer and chocolate sommelier. Estelle, how are you doing this morning? I'm what? How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I have I've not had any chocolate yet today so far, or I don't I don't think I've had any chocolate this week, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I know it's 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 been a boring January, I guess. So. Um, I guess for some background information, you're, you you took the account name Thirty Seven Chocolates for for a very specific purpose. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. So uh, I start. I got really into chocolates uh, five and a half years ago. So in two thousand fifteen, um, in around Memorial Day of that year. Um, when I was inspired by one of my very good friends who ran a 50K in honor of her 50th birthday. And uh, so it was it was a lot of training. And when she finally um, ran her 50K with her best friend, she, like I remember, she FaceTimed me and she just felt so like joyful and accomplished. And I remember thinking, wow, like that would be such an awesome feeling to feel on my own birthday. And as she, as she was looking for an idea for her 51st birthday, I suggested, I was inspired by all the chocolate that I would see at my local f- coffee shop. Um, lots of single origin chocolate, uh, chocolate that felt more expensive than what I saw at the grocery store. I thought, well, you know, her name is Nicole. I said, Nicole, why don't you actually eat 51 chocolates? Like you worked hard. Now it's time to play hard. And she quickly dismissed the idea. And I thought, what? Well, that's actually a really great idea. And if you're not doing it, uh, I'm going to do it. And at the time I was about to turn 37 and um, my birthday happened to fall on Halloween. So I like to say I was literally born for this. <laughs> And, and so in May of uh, 2015, I decided to sample and review 37 chocolate bars made in the U.S. in honor of my 37th birthday. And I really wanted to review online. Um, I started like on the notebook and I thought, you know, I really want to share this. And uh, I posted those reviews on YouTube. So the whole challenge is documented on YouTube and around the eighth review, that's when uh, I really had, it was a bar by New Orleans-based company, Akali. Um, I had their milk and nibs. I really remember when I had that bar and the flavor just blew me away. It was just so bold and flavorful and not bitter. Um, very distinct texture, like velvety, but not creamy, if that makes sense. And I thought, wow, I know I'm going to, I'm, I know, I knew at that time that things would go way beyond 37. And, um, yeah, and so that's when the idea for, like, that's where 37 chocolates come from is, you know, it's uh, 
uh, it refers to that challenge I took in 2015. Prior to those 37 chocolates, did you have any other experience in sensory evaluation or just food pairings, tastings, anything like that? No, nothing like that, really. Um, and what do I, I've been living, like you can hear, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't born in the US, 2002. And very quickly after I came um, in 2004, I actually started my food blog. I was really like, my coming to the US really coincided with me being an adult. Uh, and I was in my early 20s. And so that's where it happened that I learned to cook in the US. And uh, my husband is American. And I was discovering things that I thought were not known in France. So I launched a food blog, one of the very first food blogs in French language. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was called uh, Le Hamburger, Le Croissant, or Hamburger and Croissant. It was hmm. inspired by a, a wedding centerpieces. But yeah, and so I I really had a a strong interest for food, for writing, for sharing, and so that has been going on since two thousand four. Yeah. So you 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 do the thirty seven chocolates. You you grow in that space. You take a, a yeah. real interest in it, um, and yeah. and then you start doing a lot of in person tastings for uh, private clubs and, and wineries. Um, that that's a little bit different now, of course. But what what was that ex ex initial experience like when you you know first did your your first winery tasting? Yeah. So um, yeah, very shortly after the end of the tasting, I I started doing chocolate like chocolate pop up sales at local at some local wineries, and I really wanted to share. I live in a small town outside of Philadelphia, and you know, if you ask, I think any chocolate person, like chocolate enthusiast, you know, my, my heart really is more into the chocolate than any other food. Uh, but I, I don't live in a space where in a place that where other people are as interested in chocolate as I am or, you know, they but they they are. We have local wineries. We have breweries. We have, you know, like people already liked and you certain wineries and I've, I realized that if actually paired chocolate with wine people would come because they knew about the wine like they knew about the wine they were excited about the wine and I was able to get them excited about the chocolate through the wine of the uh through the angle of the wine and so at the wineries what was very very interesting is I knew nothing about wine when I got started uh into pairing um, you know, I've had I had had like champagne and like wine here and there when it was served, but I, uh, my husband only drinks beer. Like you know, mm -hmm. like the there's a very very um, like it's, unless I get like quarter bottles or half bottles, like it makes no sense for me to open a whole bottle for me. So I knew nothing about wine, and it's funny because when um, the very first pairing I did. I knew the owner of the winery and her winemaker. So her name is Virginia Mitchell. It was it's a winery called Gaylor Gaylor Estate here 
award-winning winery, uh, the winemaker reached out to me by email and said, I feel like we could do something together. And it's funny because neither one of us was really sold on the idea of wine and chocolate, but I think they make amazing wine. And I knew the chocolate I had was amazing. And I thought, okay, well, if people really want wine and chocolate, they may as well get it from us and let's figure this out. And like when we really got started, I remember that Virginia just poured any all the wine that was on like you know that was open that day and i just brought my entire chocolate stash and we just went and it blind like you know like okay we just have to take a random wine a random chocolate and see what happens and what was really interesting is because i didn't have any kind of um you know idea on what a pairing should be and neither did she i thought we came up with like very unusual pairings and by that i mean you know like the you know if you ask a lot of people in the wine industry they would tell you that you know chocolate goes well with a sweet wine uh like a port or like you know some some kind of like dessert wine and um Gaylor estates doesn't have any sweet wine and we came up with really cool pairings like 100% chocolate with like very dry like a Cabernet Franc for instance and that was the beginning and I just love being able to to like convey that like I really love that people experience the same surprise when they tried our pairings than we did when we were coming up with that pairing. So I hope that answers your question, but like that's how I got into the wine and chocolate pairing space. Do you have a, a favorite method or I guess, do you have a method for choosing chocolates to sample? Um, with wine or in general? In, in general, or in general. In general, uh, like a, a progression or like how I do it as part of a tasting? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, what I typically do is that I like, I'll, the general rule is I like starting with stronger percentage chocolate and move down to sweeter chocolate. Um, and, you know, like the idea is that you end the tasting with something that's either a milk chocolate, something with more sugar. It's kind of like it becomes a dessert to your chocolate tasting. So, with that there are some exceptions and i find that depending on the origin of the cacao beans used to make the chocolate it's something like some origins have much milder tastes um and if i have a choice between say a 80 percent with say a a, a a like that's featuring a bean that is known for being super mild like porcelana from Venezuela, I would start with the milder dark chocolate and then put the stronger one later because I, I want the milder chocolate to have a chance to express itself before being muted by a stronger, bolder person. It's kind of like you let the shy person speak first mm -hmm. and then, you, you you know, like you ask the the outspoken one to go next, you know, so... That's that's in a in a nutshell. So I, I I'm familiar with the beer space quite a bit, and I feel like breweries are constantly experimenting and kind of pushing the boundaries on what they can do with beer and different um, sensory sensory um, experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm wondering in in the chocolate space, you know, what what the what's the most bizarre sensory experience you've had? 
So um, there is a there's a chocolate company in Singapore that is called Fosa Chocolate. So F O S S A, and their bars are really uh, not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> they are so they have regular dark chocolate, single origin, which are fantastic. And then they have chocolate with shrimp on it and seaweed. Or hmm. with, uh, I think they have one like salted egg or like very, very strange. Like the shrimp was definitely one. And then there's also a chocolatier. So the chocolate, a chocolatier uses chocolate instead of making it from scratch. So they are more of a pastry chef. And so there's a chocolatier in, um, Provincetown, uh, his name is Paul John. He is um, the founder of Chocolatism. And he creates such unusual bars. There is one he made, a white chocolate with lobster hmm. uh, and lemon and pars- parsley. So it was like a really New England inspired. Um, it sounds really strange. It was absolutely delicious. Um the lemon really played well against the lobster and, and, you know, it made sure that the lobster wouldn't take everything over. And he has another one with oyster. Um, hmm. And these are like, yeah, like these are the two that I really can think about that really are sending out. But like in the right hand, like that shrimp bar, we actually had it together with Paul. Uh, we had done a Facebook live and yeah, like when, you know, when it's in the right hand, like uh, a lot of things are possible. You know, I'm sure that's how your experience is in, in, in beer. But like uh, if it's done with intention and uh, thoughtfulness, I think I think the, the chocolate can go in so many different directions. So then also just on the on the beginner's end of the spectrum um yeah i i you know let's say i well that i'm just gonna say it i don't know much about chocolate at least in that um in that same sense uh so i guess you know what's what's the best and most accessible chocolate for somebody like me wanting to explore uh that world that is such an awesome question um and i would say for somebody who may not know too much about chocolate. Let me ask you, do you, do you consider yourself more of a dark chocolate person or a meek chocolate person? Uh, as I, I, I'm beginning to like dark chocolate more. I mean, okay. I, I'm that that's, that's changed just in the last few years. Okay. So it sounds to me that, um, what I would, what I would actually recommend to you would be a, uh, singular origin chocolate featuring beans cacao beans from madagascar like a madagascar uh dark chocolate and the reason for that is that um madagascar chocolate is really considered like a gateway chocolate but it's also a type of chocolate you can go back to that doesn't disappoint and so those beans um they have like a a raspberry a bit of citrus fruitiness and i say like you know tasting notes can be you know, sometimes a little obscure, but like really that it's the, the fruit really stands out. And if, if you're used to like dark chocolate from like the grocery store, Madagascar is going to stand out by very distinct fruitiness and completely no bitterness. And you can push up to 75% and have a very 
like mild satisfying experience and even like for people who want to venture into 100% bars that's actually 100% Madagascar is probably one of the most accessible out there Thank so you. that's what I would say sure yeah and I mean there are lots of chocolate company that feature Madagascar so you could do some um you know like a bit of google search but like um yeah there you can start there you can check out a, a chocolate big chocolate website or something like barandcoco.com um and look for Madagascar great um yeah. so you've you've pivoted to virtual uh tastings I've just like I mean virtual just like everyone else I, I feel like but yeah. what have you what have you learned from that process over the last year or so so um you're right I I did I did uh since May of this of 2020 uh I have been hosting those chocolate tastings online and uh I've learned a, a lot in the process but the thing, the thing that I appreciate, the, there are a few things I appreciate the most. The thing I noticed when I did the wine and chocolate pairings is that those were very successful. They were always filled um, with lots of excited people. People had a, a great time. And But um, my goal all along was, like my hope and dream was that to be able to have a, a chocolate community if that makes sense like you know there were a few people that i would see i would work with three wineries and there were a handful of people a handful of ladies who would come to each winery who had tried every one of like those winery events and i loved that because i was able to grow with them they would start building a chocolate database if that makes sense also mm -hmm. but yeah so that was something something i really really enjoyed um, it was that community building aspect and also growing and getting more in depth in, in, into the chocolate or even the pairings. But I noticed that the majority of the attendees were really interested in having a good time and they really came for the wine. And I didn't have, um, you know, like I, I felt like they were not as excited about the chocolate. Mm as they were about the wine and they would come to the pairing because that felt like a novelty. And I, I wish sometimes I, I had more time to speak about the chocolate, the people behind the bars or some of the stories. Like I, I went to Colombia in 2019 to visit cow farms and I had so many stories that I wanted to share so many like pictures and like really, really. And I knew how to say it in a relatable way. And I didn't have you know, time or, you know, like it was a little, you know, I was bursting with like sharing that knowledge. And like when we pivoted, like when I, 37 chocolates became uh, online chocolate experience provider, then I had, you know, like logistics is really complicated to do a, a wine and chocolate pairing of it, but it was very easy to send everybody full bars, three full bars. Um, and two things happened for one, I was able to send people the full size bar versus at the pairing events, they would have like little portions of bars. Mm -hmm. So they, they could continue the, the, the tasting on their own at home with their family member the next day. And then two things. And the second thing is that I, I really finally had a chance to get deeper into the chocolate and make people realize that, well, this isn't like some kind of candy. It's not candy and it's not some, you know, it's not a nameless, faceless 
true. Like there are so many awesome stories. And the thing that I was able to do that's been really fantastic is thanks to this online format um, and the connections I have in the industry, I I was able uh, since May to bring a chocolate maker, the chocolate maker whose bars were featured as part of the online tasting with the chocolate tasters that uh, I would gather. And so that I felt like I was able to bridge the two and I could let the chocolate maker tell their own story in their own ways. And, 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 and the tasters are able to really kind of go to the source of the chocolate and really have this deeper appreciation of the people behind the food. So I would say those are really some of the best parts of going online. Do you, so we're coming up on Valentine's Day here in a little bit. Um, do yeah. you anticipate, you know, you being a little bit busier because of the, the season and the connection to chocolate? Yes. Um, I actually, I, I, I put a chocolate tasting on, on Valentine's Day, a ticketed event. I do a lot of private events or team building for, uh, for companies and, uh, professionals, but I really like having those ticketed events uh, for the reason I mentioned earlier, the idea of community building and connecting with the chocolate maker. Um, at the time of recording, we're, so we're still in January and mm -hmm. my, my Valentine's Day tasting has sold out uh, several days ago. Um, so I had to add another one uh, at the end of the month, uh, a Colombia-inspired chocolate tasting. But yes, I have so many tastings on February 4th, February 11th, and February 13th. Um, yeah, and I think because of the pandemic, there's just like, I think things that, you know, Valentine's Day is, you know, not, not everybody's a fan of Valentine's Day or like some people think it's a bit cheesy or mm -hmm. corny. But I think... You know, with the with the pandemic, we're holding on to any occasion that gives us a smile, that puts a smile on our faces. So I think that there's even more desire to celebrate whatever happy thing is on the calendar at this point. So yes, it's been it's been um, uh, since January. I think I got my first request for a Valentine's Day tasting on like January fourth, and then I had another on like January sixth, and then another <laughs> January seventh. So. Uh, that's been really cool. So you're, you're on YouTube, correct? Um, I have a YouTube channel, um, and I'm not very consistent about uploading those videos. Um, you know, I had a couple of year hiatus, and then I uh, I posted some recording from Facebook Live this year, and mm -hmm. people are actually watching it, apparently. I'm like, okay. <laughs> But yes, it's it's just a nice repository of, of videos. Yeah. So do do you prefer Facebook Live? Um, uh, I like what I love about Facebook Live is once the world shut down, I was able I committed I committed to biweekly videos like video reviews uh, between March and September, and. Um, being able with what I like with going Facebook Live, a couple of things. For one, you don't get to be a perfectionist on Facebook Live. You don't get to have a do-over, mm -hmm. and it's really nice to silence your. It's a nice. It's a nice way to silence your inner critic. And the other thing is that on a Facebook Live, you interact with people, and 
So those are things I like from Facebook Live. However, um, the, the of, like once the video is posted, that video kind of lives on and has visibility for a couple of days, maybe maybe a week tops, and then it gets it gets buried on Facebook. Um, but on YouTube, I'm just like blown away that five years five more years after that the first like 37 chocolate videos those videos really get found in a way that videos do not get found on facebook mm -hmm. i find and so uh what i would do is i would actually save some facebook lives on my phone and upload them on youtube and you know like just like a couple of days ago i realized that somebody had you know actually went and bought the same chocolate bars that i was reviewing in i don't know like june or july and it blew my mind that they are really like people are watching those videos on youtube um a long time after they're posted in a way that doesn't happen on facebook live yeah that's been my experience very good um i yeah. don't i don't want to take up too much more of your time um mm -hmm. but i guess um if, if i want to learn more about the, the the chocolate space what are some different oh. social media accounts or, or blogs or, or food writers that I should be paying attention to. Oh, so many. In, in addition, so, in addition to yourself, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So 37 chocolates. Um, so the, since you like beer, I would recommend you check out a, um, the, the Instagram of David Nielsen, who's a, uh, he's a certified Cicerone. He's a food writer. He's, uh, he has a passion for beer and chocolate. And uh, he's the founder of Bean to Bar Stool podcast. And then you can follow him on Bean to Bar Stool on Instagram. Huh. And I think that, you know, you're the perfect person to, fo that, you know, the perfect audience for Right up because... my alley still. <laughs> yes, right? And, and he's, I mean, he's a, He's a beer and chocolate poet. Like it's very meditative for for me to listen to his voice on his podcast. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think you would love this this the the his account. The photos are gorgeous as well. Um, yeah, then you can follow. There's uh, Megan Giller is a a food writer. She's the author of Bean to Bar, uh, the chocolate. I think that is the book that if you want to learn more about the chocolate space, that is like the book to get started. And her her Instagram is chocolate at chocolate noise. Um, and then uh, there is another. Oh, I think you're gonna like this one as well. There is a. Uh, this is the Instagram of a, uh, a a lady based in the Chicago area. Uh, her Instagram handle is at show coffee wine and that's exactly uh what the uh, um, account is about it's it's actually more than um coffee like so there's chocolate there is coffee not as much wine as they used to be but lots of whiskey and scotch and um and shay is very much into making cocktails and pairing it with chocolate uh and again i think that and she's done a lot of uh, chocolates She's like a chocolate ambassador hmm. in the spirit world for me. Like the way she's just like, if you spend so much money on a bottle of whiskey, why would you pair it with like a $2 chocolate <laughs> bar, you know? 
That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So these are, I think, I think for for you and like the people listening to the podcast, I think those are some really good accounts because they're bridging, and I, I really. We like that. And I, I have to mention my friend Sophia. Her name is um, so Sophia Ray. And she her Instagram is Projet, uh, I think it's underscore Chocolat, Projet Chocolat in French. Uh, she's based in Nashville. And um, she has a particular interest for historical, um, for like history and chocolate. And her Instagram is absolutely stunning. So that's another, like, getting to chocolate through beauty is another way to get into chocolate. Perfect. Like I said, everybody, you can follow Estelle at, at 37 Chocolates. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun world that I don't really know anything about, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn a little bit more. I'm so glad, Michael. I would say you're, you're going to get sucked in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everybody. That wraps up another episode of Eat, Drink, Social. If you have a story to share or know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us at www.ipgagency.com.